Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Oh, here we go, boys. Go. that sound. This is a good one. Welcome to Waterfall Wednesday edition of the Full Scale Outdoors podcast. I'm Nick Johnson with Dale this week again. How you doing, buddy? I am excellent. Nick, how are you? I'm really good, man. Enjoying the off season. Kind of. (laughs) <laughs> kind of <laughs> i enjoy it i enjoy it but at the same time i'm fucking bored uh well uh, you know it, we just got to summer and you hate to rush it but we're really only three months away right and i thought too this episode we could do a little bit if you are also feeling the itch to get back into some trigger time we could do a little bit of like hunt planning like uh uh talk here but you were gonna give us a little update on your weird ass geese that you got up there that you said were are these the ones that you said were hanging out in the fields for like three weeks like and every time you drove past they were there and it never seemed like they left yep that's that's those that's those geese all right give me one give me one guess about what happened with them okay i got you go they left kind (laughs) of they're not in that field anymore like literally the next day, I was like, just had that podcast. I was like, oh, and then they're gone. They're not here anymore. But that other field that I was telling you about that had that had like more, but you know, like this field here at eighteen, exactly eighteen. And uh, I didn't count the other field, but if I had to guess, there was thirty-ish in that okay. about twice as many. And do you still have those geese up there? Well, what I noticed, I was like, well, these geese moved. They maybe they did migrate. I didn't really hear anything leave, but whatever. Maybe they you know, dipped in the middle of the night or something. Well, as I left here and hit the main road, there, 
I passed that other field that has like the 30 ish in there. And that field was like blew up to even more. So I'm guessing this flock found that flock somehow. And I don't know why they're still there. So it appears that that field, that flock, and they don't fly either. Like they just, they're walking out of a sold farm pond and this little Creek bottom, that's where they're roosting. And they're just walking into the field. And so but it, it definitely appears as if you have, you still have non-breeding giant Canada's in your area. For sure. Yeah. They're for sure. Like they're not breeding because there's geese everywhere paired up sitting on nests doing, doing that whole deal. Still no fluff balls up here of ducks, geese of any kind. I haven't seen a baby waterfall yet. It's kind of weird. You would think they'd start to see them. Well, we had a pretty late spring. That is true. That is true. We had ice until, like, I last time I ice fished was April 28th. So it was pretty late. But then it went okay, so, to summer like that. Like, continuing on our little uh, stream of consciousness about molt migrants in the springtime that we had last week about, like, how far south do they go? I was, I'm wondering, and we kind of discussed, like, uh, at what time frame do they start moving back north? Is it, like, one big solid jump at the end of May? Or do they incrementally make their way back up to us? It's hard to know, you know, especially because there's not tens of thousands of people out there paying attention to them every day that, like, report on these things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because there's no hunting season. So, like, uh, continuing with that. I wonder what percentage of non-breeding giant Canada geese jump the tree line, go to either the inner lake, subarctic, or arctic region of Canada, and how many stay below the tree line. Now, below the tree line would be considered the temperate nesting range. So when somebody talks about giant Canada geese, sometimes they're referred to nowadays as temperate nesting Canada geese. That's any Canada geese nesting below the tree line. So a molt migrant should be going above that tree line, but I wonder if it's a hundred percent. My guess is it's very close to a hundred percent, but I might be wrong. And then uh, I don't remember the second part of that. <laughs> That's yeah. the problem of stream of conscious. I didn't write that down. I right. just started babbling. <laughs> but I do wonder. I do wonder. Like, so you're sitting here. It's June sixth right now, and you're sitting there with quite a few non-breeding giant temperate nesting Canada geese and they are not above the tree line yet. No, and they've been here for quite literally over a month now. Which would indicate that they have been moving incrementally and not in one big jump. Right. And I mean I but guess I, there's no way to prove that these are the same geese, but I see it pretty odd that it's the same <laughs> approximate number day in and day out, you know. Okay, I just remembered part two. If there of that percentage of geese that do not go above the tree line to molt what latitudes are they generally hanging out in? Because I'm guessing that molt, my molting, non-breeding Canada geese aren't hanging out in the summer in like 115 degree fucking Kansas. You know, like right, I imagine right. they are, if they're not above the temperate nesting zone, and I do think most of them are, I do think they're probably close to getting like, I would say they're on the northern end of the te- temperate zone. Right, and that's what I'm kind of wondering with these. It's just going to be interesting. Like, there's part of me that, like, is hoping they're not going to be there someday because then I could just settle my brain and be like, okay, they finally, they they migrated. They're going to molt wherever they're going to molt. And the other part of me is like, well, maybe I'm, gonna, I'm on the a personal discovery here where 
maybe northern Minnesota is the southern most range of like certain populations of molting non-breeding geese. Like if they just sit in that if they, if they never leave and they're just here all summer, well they're obviously choosing here to molt for whatever fucking reason. Hey, speaking of like uh crazy waterfall shit, this is something I kind of meant to share on last week's podcast, but do you follow follow the Cohen Wildlife Lab on Instagram? I don't think so. Okay, here's just a absolutely fucking insane post that they made. But first of all, go file follow Cohen Wildlife Lab on C O H E N. C O H E N Wild Lab is what it's called. Cohen Wild Lab. And they do a lot of GPS transmittering stuff in Tennessee. It's the Tennessee Technological University Research Lab led by Dr. Bradley Cohen. And uh, tons of Mallard GPS data stuff in here, oh, yeah. and which is super, super, super fucking interesting. And here's a post they made on uh, May 22nd. Uh, they had two, a drake and a hen Mallard that they GPS transmitted down in Tennessee. And their post, uh, let's see how long it is. That ain't long. We call these two Mallards our Casablanca ducks, Rick and Ilsa. The Drake and Hen were caught together, but they separated during our Christmas cold snap. The Drake began migration on March 1st, and the Hen started hers a month later on April 3rd. Both birds took different paths, but arrived at the exact pond in Manitoba, which is 1,400 miles away from where they wintered. During the first week of May, the Drake has flown over 1,200 miles more to get there the drake has been saying to himself of all the gin joints and all the towns and all the world blah blah blah. that's why they call them the casablanca ducks i guess <laughs> um but they had these two mallards a drake and a hen down in tennessee the gps transmitted them and uh the hen went through like central iowa and then up through the eastern dakotas and like up to north to manitoba uh north of lake winnipeg and the Drake, like, went through Illinois, eastern Iowa, then up the Mississippi River into the Minneapolis area and West Metro, then carved straight to northwest Minnesota, hung out around Winnipeg for a while, and then ended up at the same pond. Like, that's freaking insane, dude. That's bonkers. Yeah, that is bonkers. That's <laughs> so do you, Wow. Like, it makes you wonder, like, did they breed together in that same pond last year and they met back up or and and they're meeting back up in their wintering area but they're taking two totally different paths at two different two two totally different times to get there or is this like just a phenomenon of like when they have an absolute food boom like uh in one little pond because i know there was another gps transmitter story where they had like five gps mallards from three different studies all in the same pond on opening day in northeastern south dakota that was like four or five years ago and i just figured there just must have been like a food boom there you know or something hmm. like but She's, i don't know she gave him a hall pass and he took full advantage of it <laughs> yeah, dude. That's just, some, <laughs> just some crazy stuff that's like file it under the category of like duck and goose stuff that continues to melt my brain yeah, it's 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 pretty wild like how much we learn about them. It's it's like that old uh you know trope or that the adage of like the more you 
learn the more learn. you know you don't know you know it's like yeah 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 like, the more you learn the more questions you have yeah exactly because it's like okay well we got that figured out but why do they do this <laughs> right like, or yeah. you discover stuff you didn't know too which just raises more questions you're like wow i didn't know that much like my geese here it's like what what are they going to do are they actually going to leave that's why I, like i said last week like i would love to be able to put together a, a, a banding project here real quick you know i just i'm so curious as to where these geese come from where they're going like it's it's weird and maybe it's not weird. I mean, I guess I could talk. I mean, I actually know the guy owns that land. I should talk to him and be like, does this happen every year? Or is this like just a weird off year or something? I don't know. It's just, it's pretty bizarre. Okay. So let's talk about like uh, planning up hunting trips here. Cause we're in our off season. We need something to, to look, to look forward to, to hold on to. And uh, I had a guy reach out to me and just wanted me to go through like how easy or difficult or what you need to do to start preparing to get into Canada, which is a foreign country. Right. <laughs> um, and I'm not like an expert on this by any means, but I can, I've definitely done it seven or eight or nine times. Well, I, and yeah, I can, that's more than a like, lot of people. I, just, you know, maybe I'm not your end all be all uh, like uh, authority on the subject, but if I could just kick you in the ass a little bit and let you know like how easy this really is, this will be the first fall that you're actually going to be able to plan to get up there um, knowing that COVID restrictions are now not in place. So what is it? There's that's going to open a lot of uh, opportunity for guys who are unvaccinated or otherwise just found it too difficult. Even like vaccinated people didn't want to fucking go do it because like, talking about like older guys that have like a prescription or something like that for their heart medicine or some shit. And all of a sudden they catch COVID in Canada and they're stuck there for a couple of weeks, all the weird complications. Anyways, all that's done. Now there are no COVID restrictions in Canada and uh, we can go over a little bit about how to get into the country. Like, first of all, where would you start Dale? If it were you, would you go to Manitoba or would you go to Saskatchewan this fall? Prob- where, where would you between the let's just say between those two i would probably go to saskatchewan for no other reason than i think that's the one i hear the most as it refers to snow geese wrong answer you're gonna go to manitoba this year okay i'm going to manitoba <laughs> this year to, to okamic the reason a guy am i going to okamic uh, the reason a guy would want to go to Manitoba this year is because this is your last year that you're ever going to be able to for sure get that license. Mm. So, like, if nothing else, like, unless this is going to be your last year alive, you know, and you're going to be <laughs> you're going to be dead, then you should do Manitoba because Manitoba is just there's there's a lot more places to go to than just the Oak Hammock. There's Western Manitoba. There's the Delta Marsh. There's all sorts of amazing waterfall opportunities up there. Um, obviously, Bob with Okamic Outfitters can put you on some of the best, like, mallard and uh, dark goose hunting that there is and band hunting, like, north of Winnipeg up by the Okamic Marsh. But, like, yeah, so step one is kind of establishing, all right, what do I want to do? Um, the border crossings, what do you need? Have you ever hunted up in Canada? I have never hunted. I have fished there before. Okay, so what kind of questions would you have, like, when it comes to, like, when you're arriving at the border with your gear and your guns, right? It's Obviously, it's it's the only question would be the guns. Like, where, how, guns. What, what do I need a permit? Where do I get said permit? Like, how does that go? Like, just go, I got American, I got guns. Like, do you just yell it, or 
<laughs> yes, <laughs> you just yell it as soon as they open up the window at the border. You'd be like, "I have a lot of guns." I got talk. so many guns, and I fucking hate liberal. <laughs> <laughs> death, to, wear death to Trudeau. <laughs> death to Trudeau. Wear a ski mask. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hockey no, there's sucks. A gun, there's a gun declaration form. You're gonna need two of them. You fill them out completely, um, but then you do not sign them till you're there. Um, when you go into the office, they just, uh, they've never actually opened my guns and looked at them. I have heard, see, this is why I'm not an expert. I have heard that you need trigger locks on your guns when you go there. Hmm. Like, uh, in the case, isn't they there need a, a website lock. that says that or yeah, something? yeah, there's definitely a guns. There's definitely a government website for Canada that says that. And but, I assume like that's I said, where you would go to get the forms, to print out the forms to fill out. Yeah. You know what? I should have looked this up before. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what good podcasts do. We don't do that here. <laughs> I think it's called the Canadian Gun Declaration Form. A. Well, A, non-resident firearm declaration by the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. It pops right up on Google. And you might want to put a trigger lock on there. Also, here's one thing I got nipped on the last time I went to Canada, which was... Um, in April with a firearm. Um, I, di- I didn't bring a firearm for uh, guiding snow goose hunting. But um, when I last time I went up there, they uh, asked me on my way back. Now, this is on at the U.S. border. Um, they said, do you have your gun registration form? And I was like, yeah, I sure do. So I, I pulled out that form I was just talking about from the Royal Canadian, Mount- Royal Canadian Mounted Police. And I handed it to them. And they're like, no, this is the Canadian's form. Do you have the, the U.S. form? And I said, no. What uh, is that? Uh, what is that? And she said, you register your guns on the U.S. side of the border. And, before, and then somebody stamps it or whatever. So you stop at the U.S. border protection first, register uh, your guns there, and then you come across. Now, when you come across in Canada, you pay like a $35 or $25 Canadian fee, and that is registers your gun in Canada for three months or 90 days or it might be 60 days. I don't know. It's on the form. But uh, <laughs> so then I'm kind of befuddled because this is April 2023. I'm coming back with my gun. She said there's like some U.S. form you need to fill out. And I was like, I have never filled that form out before. And she goes, yeah, it's just a form that you fill out on the U.S. side of the border, and then you have it ready when you come back in case we ask about it, like this occasion that's happening to you right now. And it just proves that you didn't buy that gun in Canada. And I was like, oh. Oh, okay. Well, that kind of makes sense, I guess. Yeah, she's like, if you buy a gun in Canada, you got to like pay taxes on it or something. I didn't really understand. I I was still just kind of... Because now this is... I've been through back and forth to Canada with guns many times and i've never had this happen to me before where they asked for a form from the u.s side of the border obviously i didn't even know it existed and uh or what its purpose was so she said yeah and i said well is this a new policy and she's like no no it's definitely <laughs> very very old <laughs> well why would anybody buy a gun in canada it's going to cost you more money like that's just yeah. ignorant yeah so anyways so that's a form that uh that you need to get filled out uh bringing dogs up there i've never had to deal with that but i've heard it's as easy as having approved like a rabies vaccination form uh but that again i have absolutely no experience with that but 
um, if there's any like apprehension, like to getting started on planning this Manitoba waterfall hunting trip that you've been dreaming about your whole life, last couple of years has been having that bullshit COVID regulations. Like, hey, I'm telling you, it's easier than you think it is to get in. There's, there's, you know, I was always just taking that. It's difficult to take those first steps for anybody, myself yeah, included. It's, yeah, just it's to, just a, a weird mental block when you haven't done something. No matter how somebody can explain it and tell you how easy it is, and there's still that like, I just don't know. Which, which you know, maybe we need to start like a um, a hold your hand company where like we will take you. <laughs> we'll show you it's not that hard. Well, there are people like that too, like Bob at Okamak Outfitters. Yeah, but is he? He's not crossing the border with you, though. He's, he's already not, up there. But he there. can definitely help answer any questions. True. He can set you up. Any of that stuff, you can uh, give him a call at two zero four three eight nine two two four two. Nice. That was see now. Now we're starting to get <laughs> to be a, a legit podcast here. Um, I, I would say first step, obviously, I think would be just to read up on it, right? Go to the website, go to the Canada website. Um, you're going to have to learn to read French, but go to the Canada website and... Um... You don't have to learn to read French. Oh, you don't? Oh, they, there are <laughs> some English-speaking English people out there? Okay. I did get a... I got a letter from Manitoba. Uh, it's upstairs, and I'm downstairs right now, but I have it. Actually, hold on. I'm going to run up there. <laughs> I'm going to go grab it. Yeah, Dude, point. It, it, just, it just says what we all know. Yeah, point being was just like uh, to read up on the rules like find out about you know call or call up to the border crossing people whatever they're called um and ask them like hey i'm planning on going into canada what do i need you know call the american side and call the canada side and see what they say so this was anyway this was sent to me uh recently within the last few weeks i think dear foreign resident game bird hunter Manitoba has recently introduced new waterfall hunting regulations that will come into effect during the 2023 fall waterfall hunting season. These regulations will affect foreign resident hunters who intend to hunt waterfall in Manitoba, whether as a freelancer, hunter, or with an outfitter. Under the new regulatory framework for resident hunters who obtain a license to the provincial draw will be permitted to hunt without using the service of an outfitter as part of the phase-in strategy for fall 2023. Manitoba will provide all draw applicants with a seven-day foreign resident migratory game bird license. Only foreign residents who purchase a foreign resident migratory game bird license directly from an outfitter are required to use the services of an outfitter. If foreign residents own private property, Blah, blah, blah. The intent of these new regulations is to reduce illegal outfitting and guarantee quality hunting land access to residents and foreign residents, blah, 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 blah. But kind of everything we all knew, except for like the part I didn't know where it was like um, draw applicants. Well, here I knew that all draw applicants this year will get the seven day license. Everybody who applies will get it. And only foreign residents who purchase the license from an outfitter are required to use the outfitter services. So you cannot buy an outfitter, a license from an outfitter and go freelance your own thing. Gotcha. That makes sense. But I think if you win the draw, you can, you can, you can do either or. Sure. So the way it sounds, it's, it's a guaranteed this year, but probably next year it won't be guaranteed. But if you do get drawn, you can freelance. Yeah. And if you guys want to learn more about this too, like if you're thinking like, yeah, I really should do the Manitoba uh waterfall experience this year and you should or you will regret it 
the, <laughs> there's more regulate uh, the regulations are on uh, www.gov.mb.ca/nrnd/fish-wildlife/wildlife/mbwaterfowl.html very easy access <laughs> so, yeah, right? just, yeah just i got it on lockdown right i got it memorized like my phone yeah number. exactly um but yeah that's a little bit of a pain in the ass also there's an email address too uh, you can contact this department directly at mbwaterfowl at gov.mb.ca so maybe that's a good way to just uh shoot some questions about even if your question is hey how do i get into that draw because that's going to be coming up here really soon it's already june 6th yeah i mean it it's a good point that people need to start planning now like this is this would be the time to figure all that shit out you know get well, that out of the well, way and i don't think you're required to purchase the license unless you uh even if you win the draw so even if you don't have this all planned out that might be something you want to double check by the way even if you just <laughs> just, just get in the draw because you're going to win and that just gives you plan time to plan this trip out and uh, i'm pretty sure let's call it 85 ish percentage points that i am that i read that that once you win the draw, then you purchase the license. So it's not like they hold your credit card information. And as soon as you win the license, bang, they take out that money. But um, also in Canada, too, there's there's just like in the United States, they have like their own Fed stamp. And so they that, that can be purchased online. You're going to need to get like a federal waterfowl license up there. Um, that's just if you just look, look up like the federal Canada waterfowl license. That's really easy to find. It's like 13 or 15 bucks. And from there, you get the provincial. So just like the United States, you get like a nationwide license. Like we get our, our Fed stamp. They do the same thing up there. And then you do your provincial licenses from there. Makes sense. And I mean, here's the thing. Like if you just – you're writing notes down while listening to this podcast or mental notes or whatever. And if you don't get it perfectly right and you get stopped at the border or a – you know, a Canadian conservation officer talks to you and you don't have all your stuff in a row, you just, just say, well, Nick J said, and it should be fine. Absolutely. I don't, I don't see any problem with it. And I've heard, I think everybody has heard border horror stories, right? There's horrors on the border? Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh. Like, horror. People saying gotcha. like, oh, they tore my truck <laughs> apart and this and that. Mm-hmm. I've never, I'm not saying that. Oh, you're jinxing yourself right now. This is great. I've never had it happen. <laughs> I've yeah. never had any like bad experience and I'm a fucking criminal, dude. I've got a, I've got a, <laughs> I've got a jacket, <laughs> you know, like here's the, yeah. And I've heard, of, I've heard the stories too. I don't have any firsthand stories though. So part of me thinks it's, there, there's a little bit, if not a lot of bit of uh, you know, urban legend Lord. going on yeah for, for sure. sure for sure there yeah. is and a little bit of like stay out of where i hunt you know like maybe if any, yeah maybe yeah if anybody asks me what hunting is like in my general area i'm going to tell them it's very difficult and everything's least hey see you know how it's um <laughs> you know how it's like uh how you get a, a real kick out of when i like uh admit broken laws in this podcast yeah i got another one for you so speaking speaking of going into Canada, many and I mean many moons ago, definitely falling under the category of uh, what is the legal term of it's been too long. 
Um, for Christ's sake. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Moving on. Um, was going to Canada to go fishing and was bringing my buddy with me who had um, a felony. He had, been, okay. he had been to prison, which he was going to get turned away at the border if they would have ran his information or whatever. So we had scheduled in our time a full shift in, in border personnel. In case we had to like either wait or drive to another border crossing. Okay. And uh, so we get there, and he's like, of course, he's super nervous. And I'm driving, and they ask, and um, we were like documenting all this stuff. This is like way before YouTube and stuff. Like we, this was on old camcorder with a legit tape inside of it. Um, that's how long ago this was. And uh, we get there, and the the person was like, "Hey, you gotta shut that off. You can't have that as your crowd." I was like, oh shit, sorry. Blah, blah, blah. So we shut it off, put it down, and just, they asked what what we were doing. And was like going fishing, where we're going fishing. Did you got any alcohol? We did not. Did you have any firearms? We did not. Did you have any tobacco? We did not. Or like, and she was like, "Oh, you're good to go," and just waved us right through. So we ended up getting to our destination crazy ass early. And it was a boat to place, so we had to wait for them like hours for them to come pick us up. It was, uh, yeah. So you went to Canada with a felon. That's the point of that story. <laughs> yeah, which you're. I don't think you're supposed to. I don't. I don't think they allow felons into Canada. No. At least they did hey, back couple, in the day. One of the guys I was with um, up in April did not have a passport. Well, you they don't, will. You they will need. let you in. I think with a birth certificate. I think is what he brought. I thought you need the new uh, real ID or whatever. Doesn't that get you? Back I think and forth? that does. I think it does. The enhanced or whatever that, it is. Because I, I, I forgot like one additional form of ID, so I didn't even have uh, that. It the last was. Time I, listen, I got it, and it was a legit pain in the ass. Like. Yeah, it was kind of. Uh, I had it, it on my Minnesota on had it on my Minnesota ID, but I didn't have it on my Wisconsin. But. I keep dragging my feet. I do need to get a passport. Just just be done with it. But I just I, it's so low on my thing, my list of priorities. But um, all right. And one one more thing here before we go. Uh, let's talk. I did say I did kind of say I wanted to do a podcast about this, but we don't need to do a podcast. We can just do the final segment. Twenty eight minutes into this podcast. About cackling geese versus Canada geese. Okay, before you do that, I want to put just a little, tie a little bow on the traveling to Canada and back vacation thing. What do people need to do with their birds to bring them back into the States? Oh, right now it is a little fucked right now. That's something to pay attention to. Uh, you need to have them all, um, you need to have them all winged. Winged meaning... With the breastplate and one wing attached. Okay. Which and that's it's a good standard, idea. That's standard North no, America, that's or not, American. No, like you used to be able But anytime I brought birds back, I just brought whole bird. Because it was cold enough. I didn't need to clean birds. Oh, you, know, you, I just, you can't do that? You cannot do whole bird. Oh. Because of the bird, bird flu stuff. Another thing is, too, even though up in Canada, like, the limit is eight ducks, you cannot just. And there's no species restrictions on there. Mm -hmm. You cannot just put a bag of ducks in a 
you know, just have a bag of ducks where you can't tell what species are in there because there's another regulation that says something about how birds need to be bagged in a manner that allows species identification. So even though there is no species, (laughs) even though there's no species restriction, like we got burned on that a little bit last year, we had some customers get some birds seized because we were putting everybody's daily bag just in, you know, like we have these big um, mylar bags and we put, you know, name, date um, on there and then eight ducks and which is legal. But where we were, falling short of the regulation was we were not setting them up like in a manner in which like eight wings were visible which sure whatever there's eight birds that are all ducks and they're in this bag we thought were good right but then when you look at the way they're supposed to be packaged it says something about these species so what we ended up doing and i think we might end up continuing to do even though it is way fucking overkill is we uh, ended up just individually bagging every fucking bird. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, is that's probably the way to do it. Which is a nightmare. But when, like, you end up bagging every single bird, if you get to the border and anybody inspects it, they're literally going to open your cooler and be like, yeah, you did this right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and next. (laughs) Yeah, it looks like you're good here. Yeah, I don't see how you could have done that any better. Name, date, species, one bag per bird, fuck. It does suck now that you have to have them winged, but sure. Huh? That's let's let's crazy. do the uh, okay. let's do the uh, cackling goose versus Canada goose another day. Okay, fine. Yeah, te- tease I've, them. I've, you tease them, and then you're just gonna have to tune in next week. I don't know why it bugs me so much, man. It bugs me, but <laughs> here's another thing too. Like when. We, we I was talking about doing this podcast before I went to Canada for spring snow goose season, and then I'm up there. And even with clients, I'm trying to be correct in the way I verbally describe a bird. Like, I'm trying to not say the word little Canada goose anymore. Like, because there's it was just filthy with cackling geese up there. You know, the only Canada geese were breeding pairs. So, like, it is even for me, a guy who has a pet peeve of people uh incorrectly identifying Canada geese versus cackling geese it's hard for me just not to agree with people when like um like you're sitting there and there's a flock of geese coming at you you know this is snow goose season and they're like oh, are those canadas you want to be like yep but you can't and you're like nah they're cackling geese like it's so hard <laughs> <laughs> like people are like oh are those uh, are those honkers coming at us nope are they yeah. snow geese? <laughs> they're no, not no they're not <laughs> no, no, those, those are, are cackling, cackling geese and also, I'm also trying not to refer to cackling geese as cacklers because that's what pisses off the Pacific Northwest people is because they are so religious about how they used to have the cackler, the cackler subspecies of the Canada goose prior to 2007. So they don't want you calling cackling geese cacklers oh, because, wow. because the cackler <laughs> is a specific... All right, now, we're really, now we're really getting in the weeds gatekeeping, but... I, I don't get that quite irritated, uh, not even remotely. It does, <laughs> it does, but it does bother me when people say Canadians. Oh yeah, we shot a bunch of Canadians. Like, dude, that's illegal, bro. You can't just be going around <laughs> shooting Canadians, man. <laughs> like, what are you doing? They are Canada yeah. geese. They are not Canadian. Right. Drives me I, nuts. I, 
Yeah, and the, the, the thing that does drive me nuts, but here's how I've come to terms with it, is people like in the Central Flyway, Texas, Oklahoma, up north, wherever, the Central Flyway calling cackling geese lessers. That drives me fucking insane. <laughs> but here's, here's how I just, here's now what I think. When somebody says the word, we, we have slang words for these birds. We have, you know, honker is not the correct terminology. Correct. Yes. Big old jibidias. That's not that's not a correct terminology for a you know for a goose. Sometimes I call them that though. Or uh, what was uh <laughs> Carter Collins is calling them Tonies. That's not correct. Tonies. Yeah, big fat Tonies. Big fat Tonies like to <laughs> okay. refer to giant Canada geese. Right. That doesn't bother me. So when somebody says lesser, I just consider it a slang word for a cackling goose. For you don't know what that's... you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, if somebody says, if you meet somebody from Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, and they're like, yeah, we shoot lessers, just remember, they're not shooting lesser candidates. They're using the word lesser as a slang word for cackling geese. Well, they have different language down there in general. Maybe what they're saying is they just don't shoot as much as you. They're like, oh, dude. how'd you do? Oh, wow, we shot lesser than you did. <sighs> there is videos on YouTube, you can look it up, that say lessers. Uh, a Canada geese, lessers versus big geese, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they're by very prominent people in the industry that are fucking wrong. Ooh, <laughs> no, that would great. That's got a great. Yeah. Yes, there is. Yeah, you got to like that. That's that's some good stuff right there. All right. So next week, next week, lock in your brain. We're going to delve into. Nah, you think, know what we should do? I think we did it. I think we're done. No, I, I actually kind of want to do a really no, let's deep delve dive. in, dude. We've done it before, but let's bring it back up. Let's go in and break down all of the subspecies of Canada, of of yeah, Canada's, I guess. Yeah, of, of I, the, I think of that's a good white idea. White cheek patched birds, dark yeah, geese. white cheek white. They're called white cheek geese. When you're white referring to the, geese, yeah, like when somebody refers to cackling and Canada geese, they refer to them as white cheek geese. Yeah, but actually, um. There's a lot of really good information on my Birds of the World subscription, and I have some old documents from uh, actually the, I think from uh, Canada where they are talking about the 12 subspecies of Canada geese. This is before cackling and Canada geese got separated, but I think it'd be good to go through like the different species of Canada geese prior to 2007, the subspecies of Canada and cackling geese post 2007 when they got separated, go through like the slang terminology and why they got, why it is confusing, um, regional confusions of it. And, and their differences. I mean, some of them are different. I mean, you can, some of them do have like, well, I don't I guess you can't really say obvious, but um, some notable uh, aesthetic differences. Absolutely. Especially within cackling geese. Yeah, for sure. Can- Canada geese are a little bit more, all the subspecies are pretty close, but cackling geese really do have some pretty unique differences. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Anyways, that's next week. Uh, thank our sponsors. Um, who do we got? We got Bob with Okamic Outfitters. Yay, Bob. Thanks, Bob. The Cohen Wildlife Lab in Tennessee. <laughs> thank you for all your awesome GPS transmitter data. Sam Adams, uh, Boston Logger for lubricating no, this dude. podcast. For loco. If anybody, oh, nice. if, if there's any alcohol sponsor of this podcast, <laughs> it's, it's For Loco and Karkov Vodka. Ooh, 
right. <laughs> High class. Yeah. High class. Hey, go check out PacificCustomCalls.com. Check out the Goose Tech app. Um, I'd really appreciate it if you did. Uh, pick up uh, the Goose Tech app, right? The Signature Series Goose Call. Yeah. Let's go. Did you? How much do the uh, uh, advertisements? Boss? boss shot shells, absolutely. Hey, how much? I was going to ask you though. How much do advertisements bother you on podcasts? Um. They're a necessary evil, right? Yeah, they're a necessary evil, but I don't I don't get too crazy like um I skip them. <laughs> Most times if I if I know a certain podcast always starts off with um, like 8 minutes of it. Yeah, there's a there's a particular podcast that legitimately has 11 or 12 minutes of reads before they start. It's a hunting podcast. I'm sure everybody listens to this podcast, probably listens to that one. What is it? Is it the Duck Season Somewhere podcast? Nope. Big Which honk. one is it? Big, the Big Honker podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, they do the same thing. I just and, slide and, it. And Duck Season Somewhere does it, too. On and any other podcast where it's usually like, I mean, there's like two or three reads, I'll just hit the skip button, you know, that like 30 seconds ahead. It's like, dit, 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 dit. but I would get Carpal Tunnel if I did that on the Big Honker podcast. So I just, I literally, I'll just slide. I'll take my finger on my screen and slide the play thing till 12 minutes. And I just start it there. Right. Right. And some people like sneak them in the middle, like, uh, yep, 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 mid- and that kind of, it's that called, catches me off guard. It's called I'll be, like, washing roll. my dishes, like all my hands, like washing the dishes. And I'm like, ah, you fucking got me. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, and I, I do. And I will listen to those. my pocket right now. <laughs> yep. Yep. And that's why you charge more for mid roll for that oh, very charge- reason. We- yeah. Oh, people, people charge money for Yeah, People actually get paid for this. We do it the right way. Yeah, we we've, we've been fucking up this whole time, but you know, whatever. I like it this way. <laughs> I'm not ever getting rich doing this, so whatever. Yeah, I suppose you're right. I mean, if somebody wants That's to, depressing. if somebody wants to pay us, I mean, I will take the money. But we're gonna put this podcast behind a paywall from now on. <laughs> That's it. You gotta go to OnlyFans if you want to listen to this. From here How many on people out. you think would pay a dollar a month for this Waterfall Wednesday? Five, and they're all my family. And then they probably actually wouldn't listen. They would just do it. They would just subscribe to support me. That's worth. That's worth it. And then we could stop putting out podcasts and keep collecting the money. <laughs> exactly. If they weren't listening. That's the, a, that's the AOL <laughs> model. A, apparently, AOL yeah. is still making millions of dollars because people had that CD way back in the day signed up for their whatever, and they've just never canceled it. Dude, I was like a kid when those things came out. Telling you see, you. like the AOL kiosks, or not kiosks, but just these cardboard displays at Target and Walmart. Mm-hmm. Me and my brother would just fill up our backpacks with them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Because I don't know why. Could. And then we'd go to a park and like break them in the parking lot and be like, yeah. <sighs> you know, when you're like 11, 12 years old, smoke a cigarette and go home, be like, you know, think you're a badass. Just a little anarchist over there. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All, All right, right, buddy. Well, yep. Study up. Let's let's come prepared tomorrow or tomorrow next week. We'll, we'll we're gonna get nerd out uh, and act like we know things. All right, buddy. I'll chat with you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye.